The following is a presentation of WAER Sports, the original home of the Orangemen. Here we are, the ball's up. And the NBA is back. The Jazz control the tip. The 0-1. Swing a line drive right center field toward the gap. This one's going to get in there and go to the fence. A two-run double for Kurt Suzuki puts the Nats in front. Levert one-on-one with Brown. Levert makes his move. Levert hangs and hits. Karras Levert taking over. 3-0 to Abreu. High fastball rock to center field. Garcia back at the track. It's gone! Bring him home and bring a tie to the scoreboard. Welcome to Talk Back. I'm Cooper Boardman. The sports world is back in its chaotic and different-looking way. There are games happening across the country and in their bubbles. The last few months and the last few weeks have shown us that life itself isn't planable. So today we look into the paths of Seth Everett and John Bloom. Both of them started at Syracuse and have gone just about everywhere else. Everett was a podcast pioneer who now teaches at the Newhouse School about a subject that didn't even exist when he was first there. Bloom has spent the past couple of decades dreaming of the major leagues, and he'll get there in a way much different than what he imagined. What brings these two stories together, way beyond just the hill, is a fight to succeed and a willingness to adapt. John Bloom graduated from Syracuse in 97. He's been with the Phoenix Suns since 2008. Chance to take the lead. Millsap penetrating in the air. Hits off the glass. Eli Millsap puts the Suns up by one. They've come all the way back. Bloom is the pregame and postgame host for the Suns, and he also does some radio play-by-play for the team, as you just heard there. John grew up in Northern California, but he always rooted for Phoenix. Obviously leveled with myself that I'm not going to be a pro athlete, but I'm still playing sports. So I go to Cal basketball camp because both my parents went to Cal, and I'm still a big Cal sports fan as well as Syracuse. Even though I didn't go there, uh, I've always just bled blue and gold since I was a baby. I I went to games, football and basketball. My dad was in the marching band there. So there's just a, there's a connection. So when I'm 13, I go to the basketball camp and I get to meet Kevin Johnson. He was my favorite player. He became kind of just this mentor of mine from a basketball standpoint. Uh, I wanted to learn more about the game and the craft of being a point guard. And he was the whole reason for that. Dove straight into that. Still was planning on playing some high school basketball so I was still engaged from uh, a playing standpoint at the time and the Suns became my team because of Kevin Johnson at 13 he got traded from the Cavaliers to the Suns as a rookie and so I was a Cavs fan for about three months (laughs) and then I was a Suns fan uh, and it was all KJ related Uh, and then obviously they get Chuck I'm a senior Charles Barkley takes him to the finals against Michael Jordan and the Bulls and I was completely sold I was locked in and now I go to Syracuse and my freshman year, guess who my roommate's a fan of? The Chicago Bulls. So, yeah, immediately I get to hear the business about his team beating my team straight away. But the benefit of that was he was also a Cowboys fan, and I was a 49ers fan, and that year we got him in the NFC title game. So there was a little retribution. Uh, but it was just great. It was, it was one of those things for me. Uh, there weren't a lot of Suns fans at Syracuse. So if I'm wearing a KJ jersey, walking around the hill, it stood out. I mean, they were just uh, so I claimed them back then, and that's where it, it made it kind of cool because once I started working for a team that I clearly was repping back in the day, 
my friends all knew that it was a special opportunity for me. Uh, it's weird that I never really considered when we moved to Phoenix, my first job here was with the Arizona Cardinals and I did nine years as the public dress announcer, pre and post game show, radio host, TV host, all this different stuff that I was doing for them. And it took a few years before I got the Suns gig and never once did I think, you know, we were meant to be here so I could be the voice of the Suns. That's why we're moving across the country to go to Phoenix. We moved here for my wife's job. She got the job in Phoenix. But now thinking back, it's like it all seems like the cards were just lined up and that this is where I'm meant to be. Bloom became the voice of the Northern Arizona Suns in 2016. That's the team's G League affiliate nearly 20 years after he left SU. One of the people in Syracuse at the time was Seth Everett, who's been in sports talk for more than two decades himself. Everett's seen an industry begin to exist and then explode since he graduated in 1996. When I was there, sports radio was in its infancy, and that was the place to be. Everything was about joining an all-sports station, and now those stations are all downsizing, so you have to be creative. Um, podcasting has always been a passion of mine. Uh, I got involved in podcasting very, very early. Um, there has been a claim that I might have hosted one of the world's first podcasts, um, and it wasn't my, I'm not taking credit for it because it wasn't my idea. Uh, one of the guys I was working for Major League Baseball, one of the guys had this idea to take a radio show that we were doing and make an MP3 out of it and put it out for people's iPods. And that was before we'd ever heard the word podcast. And so that's been a passion project of mine. And um, I love having two that I own. And, and owning your own content is very different than working for somebody because you're in control of it. I can do anything I want with a podcast. Uh, I can't do anything I want with a radio show. And Seth Everett would know because he's done them both. He's worked for ESPN Radio, as you heard, Major League Baseball, the Nets, the Mets, and much, much more. Now he works as an anchor for iHeartMedia, and he hosts two podcasts of his own. You heard Everett talk about the fan in New York City, and in a lot of cases, those people who started on the radio have stayed on the radio. Now, anyone can pick up a microphone and start a podcast, but Seth has literally grown along with the industry. It's amazing. Um, it's, it's literally something. I mean, I could tell you stories. We used to make fun of that word. We thought that word was stupid. Um, and now, uh, you know, there are industries that are, you know, basing their audience on, on podcast listenership. Um, when I was at MLB, we, we started it. And then when I went to ESPN, uh, I was doing podcasts that were not mine. They were ESPNs, but uh, they were on the map. Like They had an audience, and I didn't realize a podcast could be that popular. And then later on, I had a couple of failed attempts. I tried to, to launch a podcast that never caught on. But then in 2015, I started these two shows, and they thankfully have this pretty decent audience, and we're on the charts, and we like that stuff, and we have sponsors, and um, it's been, it's been a passion project because now, um, every week it's who's on the podcast this week. And it's a joke because in the quarantine, I get asked on social media, they'll say, Hey, who do you have on the podcast this week? And I'll be like, I'll ask, I'll see what LeBron's doing. He's not doing anything because everybody was home. And you know, now that sports are restarting, uh, that's good. And you know, the other show that I do hall of justice is more of the pop culture stuff. And you're starting to see some of that start to restart. So hopefully uh, the audience is back. Podcast listenership overall, though, is down because people aren't driving as much and people aren't in gyms. And that's where the consumption mostly was. So 
hopefully we rebound from all that. Yeah, podcasts, along with sports radio, are at least getting a chance to talk about games and sports that are happening now. You know Everett's going to take every opportunity he can get, which is the mantra that we hear from John Bloom as well. Bloom left Syracuse without a job. Dave Pash at the time had just left Detroit for Chicago, where he'd end up with the Blackhawks, which meant there was a spot open doing sports talk radio at the station in Detroit. Bloom hears about this spot, and here's what he's thinking. I'm still holding out hope, uh, but I'm definitely humbled at this point because it's been a couple months and I don't have a job. And then it gets to August. Uh, my brother's getting married in Chicago, so uh, the, the job opens up in Detroit. We line it up so as soon as the wedding's over, the next day I get on a plane, I fly from Chicago to Detroit instead of San Francisco to Detroit, save them a little cash, and I thought that would help me out a little bit. Maybe it did. So I go to Detroit, and the crazy part about that day is – I re- they rented me a car. I drive to where the, I was told the station was and I park and I'm looking around and I, I can't find this building. Like I'm looking for where this WDFN sports radio, 1130, the fan in Detroit, it's got, you know, these uh, uh, staff of guys that are just exploding on the scene and taking over this, this city. And yet I can't find the darn place. And all of a sudden Matt Derry pokes his head out the door and looks, he's like, what are you doing here? I said, I got my interview today. He's like, really? And I said, yeah, and if it wasn't for you poking your head out, I would have never found this place. It's a little garage. It, it literally was a garage, a converted garage in an alleyway, uh, downtown and not a great part of the Motor City. Uh, and uh, went in there, had my interview. Uh, I was uh, underslept. I, I mean, I was a mess that day. I remember I did. I hadn't slept at all after my brother's wedding. I'd just broken up with my college girlfriend. And so I just, I, I, I was in a, definitely a raw place. And uh, they had three people interview me at once. I made it out of there, uh, drove back, flew home. And uh, I think it was a couple hours after I got home, I got the call and they offered me the job. So it all happened really fast. Uh, I was considering taking a job in Salt Lake City. That was the one other place that I was looking at. Uh, ended up in Detroit. And about a month after I moved uh, to the D, I met my wife. And so all of a sudden, I've got this like family built in now. So here, instead of thinking I was going to Detroit, I'm going to be there for a year as a stepping stone, and I'm going to go somewhere else, maybe back to the West Coast. Who knows? Uh, I, I spent six years there, and it was awesome. Bloom was there when the Red Wings went to a couple of cup finals and the Pistons made a few trips to the playoffs. He was doing updates and hosting during all of that. And now he spent the last 17 years in another big-time sports city, Phoenix. And like Everett, Seth Bloom's done a lot of different things. He was the Arizona Cardinals public address announcer, along with pregame and postgame duties for the team. He did those G League games with the Suns. And then when Phoenix radio broadcaster Al McCoy... A legend in his own right eventually steps down. That job will be Bloom's. I think it will be, um, well, hopefully, it will be an opportunity for me to connect even more now. Uh, because, you know, when, when things like that happen, now I obviously uh, will just be out of my mind ecstatic and I'll probably go buy a sports car. But that's a whole different uh, topic for a different day. Uh, I, I think what will happen is it'll allow for me to probably uh, reconnect with a lot of people that I still haven't reconnected with. I mentioned how much those relationships mean to me. So it'll give me another avenue to do that because word will get out maybe more uh, when it becomes official and, and if I get to, you know, 
call this job mine for for a full-time situation it'll be um, just so rewarding it'll be uh, something that uh, you know will just be another piece to the puzzle for me in in justifying kind of all the things that have led me to that point uh, but I, I haven't really spent a ton of time thinking about what it'll feel like other than um, it's something that I really really truly want uh, truly believe that uh, it will be a place that that I will, um, you know, hold up what has become an institution uh, here in Phoenix and, uh, you know, keep it at the same kind of level of, of professionalism, just as I felt like I had to do 24 years ago when I got the sports director job. I mean, that was probably the biggest day in my career at that point. And to this point, probably still the biggest opportunity I was given uh, to, to, you know, oversee a staff full of just immensely talented human beings at WAER. Now, uh, you know, then the next one, well, it's clear what I want. I hope it comes. If it doesn't, you know, uh, well, then there'll be the next, uh, you know, step. I'll just have to, to figure it out. And, uh, but I don't ever let myself live in those waters. I always prefer to be optimistic and positive and uh, that's, that's how I'm going to be. That's the mindset that's gotten John Bloom to where he is now, to the point he's been thinking about for 30 years since growing up in California. But there's some things you can only learn from being there, from being in the NBA lifestyle. It was everything that I ever thought it was and more, like a lot more, because I think, okay, you know how NBA teams travel. Uh, it's not how most of us travel. It certainly isn't how I have ever traveled. Uh, so knowing that I was going to get to go on the team playing, this happened a couple of years ago when I just filled in, was a super exciting moment. It was also tense because you don't want to be that rookie to mess things up and step, step in it, you know? And so I, I had to really pay attention to the, my vets, you know, the, my broadcast partner, Tim Kempton, who played in the NBA for years and has been uh, Al McCoy's color commentator on the radio for, for over a decade now. Uh, was a huge help. Eddie Johnson is just a classic uh, and one of my favorite people on the planet. He's our television analyst. Uh, he has always been helpful. And Kevin Ray, who's the play-by-play guy on the TV side for the Suns, also a good friend and very helpful to just get me in the right frame of mind because here I am. Even though I feel like I'm a grown man, I've got kids of my own, you know, I've, I've faced adversity in my life, but now you're finally getting this opportunity you've worked so hard for. And the thing that stood out to me, not the planes, not the hotels, although they're out of this world, uh, but the coolest part for me was reconnecting with friends and family in all these cities. Every stop we'd go to, there'd be somebody, whether it's someone I went to school with, whether it's, you know, like I said, maybe a family member. Um, and uh, that has been unbelievable because I've done some traveling, but when you're doing that kind of traveling and you're just bouncing from city to city, all these major cities that have NBA teams, um, you know, that can, that can be a grind. There's no question. I, I don't know how an 87-year-old Al McCoy continues to do it, but uh, he's a, just a marvel in so many ways. For me, the thing that kept me going was, oh, we're going to, you know, Boston. I can see my buddy Matt Enos, uh, who I graduated with, who was one of my pledge brothers in my fraternity, um, who unfortunately is just absolutely cursed with a horrendous disease that's going to take him far too soon. Uh, we saw his mom succumb to that disease uh, when we were in college, and, and now he's dealing with it. And he's got uh, two little kids, and, and this is just so important. I never get to Boston, so now here I am getting to make that trip. 
getting to go with the team and then even getting to arrange a situation where I can get Matt, his wife and their daughter to come to the game and, and see a Celtics game. He's a big fan. And, um, you know, those types of things for me absolutely outweigh like being in an unbelievable jet situation or a, a beautiful hotel or whatever is that. It's the personal experiences um, that I can't wait to have more of. Of course, Bloom won't be traveling as the NBA gets its season back underway inside the bubble. He'll be doing radio pre-post duties for the Suns as Phoenix tries to get into a playoff spot. That is an adjustment for all, but it's not just about the negatives of the last few months. For Seth Everett, it was about using the last few months as an opportunity. I aimed higher for my guests. I got um, some really incredible guests uh, on the sports side. I did a month where I targeted the busiest human beings in the sports world, people that would never be able to say yes. So in one month, we had uh, Kenny Albert, uh, Marv Albert's son, uh, who has 700 jobs. Ian Eagle, Syracuse guy who uh, I've been friends with for a long time. But every time I've tried to get him on the podcast, he's had a game or was on a flight. And now he's, you know, he was stuck at home. And then uh, I found the, the New York Mets, Giants, Knicks, Rangers, and St. John's radio engineer who works 300 nights a year and for four months was in his house. And I was like, oh, my God, he has the greatest stories in the world. So we, we did a podcast with him. Uh, we also had a guy. Do you remember when Rudy Gobert tested positive? Uh, the guy in the Utah Jazz, the first guy. And you remember that viral video of when he licked the microphone of those five reporters. I got one of the guys whose microphone he licked on my show. And wow. that was so fun because I was, uh, I couldn't believe his story. And anytime I ever brag about a podcast, it's because of who was on it, not because of something I did. That guy's story is incredible. And his reaction when he found out that Gobert had tested positive, that freaked him out. He has a young daughter. And that was wild. And then uh, Ryan Rucco, who was on the air on ESPN during the Nuggets Mavericks game when the league suspended its operations and he had such poise and I had him on the podcast. He's an old time friend and like those kinds of guests. And on the hall of justice, Kevin Smith came on the filmmaker. Like he, he's always traveling. He was doing a, a road show where he was in different cities. I was hoping to catch up with him one day in New Jersey, but he was stuck at home and we had him on. So you know, the guests have been greater and the Hall of Justice audience has increased, but Sports with Friends has, has hit the curve where it's like a 30% drop. Those are the analytics that podcasters like Everett are always monitoring, which all comes back to the skills he learned at Syracuse. There's a pandemic. How do I use this to my advantage? What's next? These are the kinds of questions that drive us all forward. And the answers to those questions are part of what Everett talks about when he came back to SU to teach. It was great. You know, it's funny. I taught at St. John's and Seton Hall, and I didn't get the same vibe. I didn't get the same buzz. You know, I, I say this all the time. I say this to my students. Syracuse University's campus is like my Disneyland. Um, it motivates me. It, it pushes me. It makes me better um, at, any, at anything and in my life. It just uh, brings out the best in me. And so to walk into that building, and then when I looked at my students, and I didn't get this at St. John's, no offense to St. John's, they were very nice, but I didn't get this. I saw 15 versions of me. I saw, I, they had the hunger like I did and, and still do. 
and that was so easily relatable. And I felt I talked to a, a, a Syracuse person that I don't know, and I know something because I have some common bond with them. And that applies to both current students and alums. If I see an alum out in the field and I find out they're a Newhouse or a WAR person, I immediately connect with them. And it's, it's a great feeling. There's a constant movement forward. You make mistakes, you learn from them, and you move on. And that's how you make it in the industry that doesn't exist yet or find yourself working for the team you grew up rooting for. Thanks for joining us for our 18th episode and a reminder to subscribe to TalkBack on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, a big, big thank you to John Bloom and Seth Everett for their time. This was a WAER Sports Podcast produced by Carl Moglein, along with reporting from Corey Spector and Jenna Fink. I'm Cooper Boardman. We'll talk to you next week.